happened a few times that the front door is open and so I grab this this long stabby thing that I have next to the bed just in case someone breaks in. A long stabby? Yeah, because your bloke's got to protect his family, right? Hello and welcome to another episode of the Security So What podcast. I'm your host, Mike Ferguson, and with me, the ever-lovely Nicholas McDonald. Hey, everyone. Yes, um, so we did say that uh, Dan Smith might be with us um, this week, but unfortunately he... Um, to go to the States, so he uh, can't join us, he's got some training to do, so he won't be here. And I'm happy to jump off the bench and um, cover for the down whenever needed. It's actually a lot a lot better anyway, a lot more insightful uh, information, in case Dan's listening. <laughs> Probably just collecting more watches over there. Yeah, most likely, <laughs> most likely, he'll be doing lots of shopping. He's in America and uh, uh, it seems that you can get a better deal over there, so I'm sure he's happy. Um, so it is episode 26 on the 10th of the 11th, 2015, and yeah, it's kind of a crazy week uh, for myself. I've got a, my first ever press conference uh, tomorrow, so um, yeah, it's going to be kind of a weird thing, being this new media guy at, at work, uh, which is lovely, of course, I'm enjoying it, but it's, um, it's my first one, so I, I wanted to go back. The face of defending against evil. Uh, exactly, the uh, Australian defence master when it comes to cyber security, that seems to be how they're positioning it and it's definitely not the case, but it's it's nice to be a part of it and I think it's, uh, it's going to be interesting, there's lots of cool things to talk about. Anyway, despite uh, that, let's get back into the uh, regular scheduled programming. Uh, we've got a couple of articles um, that we want to talk to you and obviously see what we think about them. Um, of course, as always, the thoughts and opinions expressed here are ours and not necessarily those of our employers. Let's get started. The first article today comes from itnews.com.au. Crypto Wall 4.0, the nastiest strain yet, which is a great bit of news for Australia. Um, as you know, we have been the... Um, <laughs> we've been the number one target of ransomware. I was going to say something a bit more rude, but we really have been made... Um, we've been blessed with the attention of the overseas hackers, basically. Really, when it comes to ransomware, absolutely seems to be the case. Not necessarily uh, always overseas. I mean, I'm sure that there are people in here who you know, are you know, in Australia who are more than happy to exploit Australian organizations mm. if they're able to become a part of these... Uh, these organizations that are deploying this stuff. It, it, it certainly seems quite interesting that we are still so susceptible. You know, I was trying to, I was speaking to you know, one of the experts in the US uh, recently, and he's just like, well, why? Like, why, why is Australia still you know, paying this stuff? Is it because you just pay? And I was like, well, I'm sure that we are. That must be one of the reasons. That must be one of the key reasons. And then he was like, well, why aren't the government chasing down the, the paper trail. I mean, you're paying in bitcoins and, you know, or, you know, you're, you're spending the money. Surely there's... A yeah. You must be able to at least follow them. That's what the FBI is doing in the States if there's any payments that are made. Yeah. Well, um, in reality, it's got to come down to two things. One, infection rate, and two, payment rate, because that's the key things that are what they'll be going on. It's ROI every time. Yeah. Return on investment, it makes sense. Um, and of course, um, if we're going to keep paying, we're going to keep trying to limit the infection rate and limit the necessity to pay. So 
we keep trying to defend ourselves and therefore the ransomware keeps evolving and this is the fourth version of the crypto wall ransomware which is a replacement for the crypto locker ransomware <laughs> yeah so as we know i mean there's uh, there's lots of different variants of ransomware crypto locker was one of them that was deployed over the game over zeus um, bot network and then the uh, crypto wall is, is a variant you know, of that. And it's kind of interesting looking at some of the uh, tactics that they have uh, created in this, this particular uh, variant. So um, some of the, the interesting stuff, obviously when it comes to um, communications, that command and control server uh, communication, those capabilities, they've modified the protocols so that it enables it to avoid being detected, hopefully even by you know, second generation enterprise firewall solutions. Um, whatever, you know, I mean, that's kind of near their head on there. Uh, that's what they think it is able to stop them now. But um, it also, um, some of the interesting stuff I thought was that it now alters file names as well as the file contents to make detecting what has been encrypted more difficult. Yeah, so at first I thought that was it was using a random gen of names to hide its own file names, which is any AV wouldn't be going off names, but to actually track down what has been encrypted and find out where it's saved elsewhere, they've now put a random name so you can't just do control find and say these are the files it's got so far. So I can back up and re you know, restore those files. That would be the yeah. whole point. This thing, if I know what files have been encrypted, I can then um, you know restore them. But if you don't know what has been modified and what hasn't, yeah, what hasn't, then you, you go, oh, I ain't got a page. It could be a huge deciding factor though not knowing what has been can't you just, like I know it's painful but can you go through and just double click okay that one's not opening so I'll add that onto the list of things I can't open double click that alright that one's still fine this one's corrupted so I think it's half done I mean but if you're unable to I mean there's a significant amount of dwell time on this that you'd really want to be, you can't just sit there and go, let me just check and, and open every single file and, and determine it because it's still, it could be moving laterally, it could be finding more files, you've really... One would presume that you've already, A, gotten rid of the, 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 virus. Actual, the, the virus, and B, you've got it on a lockdown part of the network or just you've just ripped the Ethernet cable out yeah, of the back. Really, yeah, I hope so, but if you're not able to yeah, determine what's, you know, the communication, I mean... I've not seen this in the wild yet, so it's one of those articles where I'm like, okay, well, sounds kind of crazy, but yeah, I can't really pull it apart. Um, you know, I know that it's using you know parts that you know uses the Tor network, um, so it's you know it becomes difficult to see um, yeah the traffic flow and um, you know it keeps that anonymity for you know payment instructions. Um, so it sounds kind of you know kind of interesting and ish though, but is there that much anonymity because of the fact that BitLocker by nature is not a uh, it, it it has a signature it has a traceable a, a way to find out where the, the actual root of the owner of the currency is. But by the way, that the actual ledger um, movement of the, of the actual coins works with a like all the miners that are facilitating the transactions, they would have, all have a register of it happening. Yeah, no, I, I, def I can understand that. I, I think it's just interesting, big picture, that you know, we are continuing to pay this stuff. I mean, we had that article recently where the FBI was going, just pay it, just <laughs> pay. Um, and it just, like, it's just something that they think we just now have to live with because if in Australia it's being targeted, we need, 
you know, the government to be really pushing an initiative to stop this stuff. Because it's just, you know, causing headaches for Australian businesses, causing delays in operability and, you know, standard business operations, what we're doing to generate revenue, um, it's going to have an effect on, you know, businesses and the economy and all sorts. So because we're chasing our tail, trying to get rid of this annoying variant of, you know, malware that we are just living with at the moment and just pay it doesn't seem good and you know if we start doing weird little things where we just go okay well we'll maybe we'll do this this time and we'll restore it and they keep trying to make different variants because at the end of the day we are giving them a return on investment yeah. we need i think the government to start doing something really proactively chase down that money trail and stop this stuff find out with the culprits and i know that they took down the game over zeus trojan network but it doesn't seem to have been enough. I mean, it's still there, right? Well, that's that's the other thing I've been thinking recently. Like, the, what have we seen the Australian government take any sort of strong stance or show that they're actually tracking some of these attackers and targeting Australia? No, I mean the the only time I've ever, we've seen a the repercussions. I know that they respond absolutely. I mean, yeah, the ASD responded to yeah, what's it, one thousand one hundred. Uh, response uh, incidents within government, the assert Australia did about 11,000 within commercial entities, including uh, 150-ish for um, critical infrastructure. So I certainly know that they're doing something, but I've not seen the Australian government go, right, or heard any reports that they are uh, you know, tracking these guys down and, and making an example. We always talk about commercial yeah, incidents and you know trying to get this mandatory data breach notification act so that if data is lost, then we can you know put the cane on the you know the knuckles of the CEO so that they are you know reprimanded yeah. for that. And that's one thing, but yeah, there's two sides to the coin. Yeah, exactly, and it's and I think most Australians actually kind of get that with know that the CEOs aren't the bad guys. Yeah, you know, here even though. There's a negligence, you know, or due diligence, duty of care type of um, scenario uh, or argument. I think it's these guys are still coming at us, and we need to a bit of help. I think we need something to to assist us here, and you know that it's just kind of crazy that another variant and another campaign, and we're just sitting there talking about this stuff again and again. We've got to think of how can we as a, a nation. You know, start to to fight back on this stuff, and it's not just a case of get some sandboxing or you know get some email and web controls that the community is getting together, or, or rethink the kill chain all this stuff. I mean, that's important, but it's not you know the be all and end all. Be all and end all. I mean, there seems to be some uh, assistance that's required as well. The one thing I would note is that we don't see as many instances for this type of stuff within government than we do in the commercial world and we know that application whitelisting is mandated as part of the top four controls so maybe there's something there around application whitelisting that could prevent this stuff definitely just a thought just a little nudge just a little nudge <laughs> although yeah people find it's expensive and difficult to <laughs> do but you know then again it's yeah, which one's the cost-benefit analysis? Yeah, there's, 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 there's degrees in controls of application wide missing. There's some freeware, um, open source application wide missing. Just depends on what 
what really you want to taste. But yeah. Some things can say these things can run, and these things, uh, everything else can't. Might be a bit more sort of legwork up front if you were to go with a free work version or a open source version, but it's still going to be better than nothing. Yeah. Problem is, a lot of like, um, commercial uh, organizations are trying to be really dynamic, um, and that has the. Uh, yeah, that, that's counter to security, right? Yeah, um, and then they have to go to cloud apps and cloud apps. Uh, yeah. Then you need to have a cloud access security broker to tell you if those cloud applications are actually safe for you to use or control the ones that aren't. Yeah, so it's, I mean, it's not an easy solution, but I, I just think that yeah, this keeps happening. I mean, 4.0, so maybe we need yeah. to be rethinking it. Anyway, next article uh, comes from techtimes.com. Submarine contractors of Australia express concerns over possible hacking attempts. Chinese Russian spies. Um, so, okay. Um, after the escalating threats of cyber attack, particularly on the possible hacking attempts of spies targeting the highly confidential information of Australia's $2 billion project to build future submarines, foreign submarine builders have expressed their concerns. It's a dreadful sentence um, to start with. So basically what they're saying is that there's been, you know, these bidders for a, you know, a submarine. It's called the C-1000 Future Submarine Program. And uh, these you know, three bidders from Germany, France, and Japan uh, have got all their uh, plans to, to bid on this. And they've been continuously receiving attacking, uh, hacking attacks by unnamed countries, although they do go on to say um, it's probably the Chinese and Russian spies um, as primary suspects. I think we both agree. I mean, it's kind of a no shit. Well, of course. I mean, it's defense. Uh, you kind of expect that you're going to be targeted. It, it kind of does go into, you know, leans on what we've said about, you know, if you are you know, working with particular contractors, and I've no doubt the you know, Department of Defense who are you know, communicating with these uh, contractors would be stipulating the types of controls that they have around their data mm. to protect them uh, themselves. But to say, well, you know, we're, we're being targeted. I mean, 40 attacking attempts every night. You know, well, probably, yeah, that's pretty, you know, yeah, that sounds like it's a pain, but you know, I imagine that that's probably the case. I mean, if, if you're submitting... Um, plans to potentially have an, an involvement in building a $20 billion um, submarine project, you would expect that there would be some interesting technology that these submarines are going to have contained in them that other people, other potentially countries, would want to have access to or know what was being implemented. So either they can, A, put it on their own devices, or B, know what the limitations of these ex really expensive submarines that you're building. Mm. And it, but the good thing is that, like... Um, so, John White, chairman of the German bidding team TKMS, said that he was not thunderstruck to receive reports of, attack, of hacking attack, attempts. I didn't talk today. Considering the team is dealing with a very important project. You just assume this is happening. Everyone is in that game. We don't suspect anyone. We suspect everyone. And I, I guess that's why it's kind of... Maybe it sells, you know, you know gets people clicking on articles, but... We have to be expecting that this kind of stuff happens. I mean, you know, whilst we do go on about the repercussions for the consumer and for Australian, you know, the Joe Blogs, you know, Joe Public, the uh, and obviously the Data Breach Notification Act and all sorts of stuff that's happening within the private sector, 
they, this has been happening to the public for, for ages. I mean, the, the, of course, it's going to be you know, cyber war is is a is a big component, right? Yeah. I mean, we've had those are reports about the Chinese and the Russians having uh, alliances, and recently the U.S. and China had said we're not going to attack one another. Um, it's just not the way it's going to be. I mean, yeah, intelligence on that level, that scale, is just so crucial to you know, uh, developing you know, foreign policy and you know, trade agreements and all sorts of you know, just the, the way that you, you build those relationships with on a political scale that, yeah, it's, I can't imagine them ever preventing that, despite what they say to the press. So, yeah. Oh, it's, it's, it's going to happen. It's going to continue happen. I suppose get used to it. Yeah, I agree. So, but it's a, um, you know, it's one of those articles and I think it's going to, people need to just assume that that's going to happen. Okay, next article is from itnews.com.au. Queensland Tate, education websites hacked. Anonymous assailants threaten state government over stolen data. So this one um, came through today. Attackers have infiltrated websites operated by Queensland TAFE and education departments and stolen data, the state government CIO Andrew Mills revealed today. Initial investigations indicated the compromised data involved information lodged by citizens through the inquiries and website feedback forms. So the information they must have extracted must be extensive. Like, um, I would like to see this on the course or would I have, would you be able to... Um, provide me with some feedback about this course. I imagine. I mean, being an inquiries website. Yeah. Or why did I get this mark for my assignment when I copied off someone else who got a better mark? Yeah. I mean, so I, I mean, maybe that them. I'm, I'll admit, I'm not. I think. Yeah, we're not both in the disposition. I've so. never been on on those websites, but they seem to. They must think that they have these cyber adversaries. Um, seem to think they have enough information to then threaten the state government over this stolen information. Even though, I mean, there's no financial data or credit cards, and, you know, the information I presume is very much public, available type information. Um, so, you know, name an email address. I mean, maybe course data, I mean, potentially. Yeah, it could be, it could be the, their student numbers. Um, but even having your name, phone number, and email is is still quite sensitive. Yeah, I, I do understand. I mean, if you've got an email, and then they they you, I imagine that the was it the Tate uh, University just sent an email out to every single person that's at Queensland Tate and says, if you receive an email from us regarding Queensland Tate, ignore it because that's the only possible thing that they could use it for, unless it was for I don't know educational books. Certainly, I'm just trying to think what to construct a lure, a lure, lure uh, <laughs> around those that that type of information. It's yeah, it's going to be pretty targeted. But yeah, is this is this a question of cost of uh, of people's um, private information or cost of the degradation of the actual uh, business's name? In this case, the tape's name. Yeah. So perhaps the hackers got wet in there found that the information wasn't too valuable on the black market, so they tried to blackmail them instead, hoping that if they were to uh, rub the tape's name through the dirt a bit, 
and that way they could, well, potentially, if potentially rub their name through the dirt, then they can get money that way. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, that's, it's, it's all these things with uh, this type of data breach that, you know, it, it seems to be, you know, what's the objective, you know, of these people? I mean, if they're trying to, you know, use it for additional campaigns, maybe that, that, that data could be used for that, for that reason. But yeah, I mean, it, it could be a case of, look, you don't know what information we've got. You know, if you, it's almost like ransomware, but from a, uh, you know, more social engineering perspective. We've got this information. We're going to hold it to ransom and let us know if you'd like it. Um, that, that could be used. What's, what's to you? Yeah, exactly. And that, it, it's kind of nice that you know, as soon as it happens, you know, Queensland Tape have been, you know, have informed, you know, Queensland Police. Um, they're probably working with the AFP, um, AFP as well. And um, you know, they've said that they take it seriously. They've contacted people, and you know, obviously, it's. They're doing all the right things, so that's pretty good. Mm. I would, I would say, it's just kind of an interesting article that, you know, the they they feel like they're able to uh, threaten the state government over this information, and I imagine they that's hopefully got them an even bigger bullseye on them. Hopefully, and again, this is it where you know the AFP who uh, seem to be named in this stuff. I hope they're really targeting going after these people and um, bringing them to. And is, is the FP's job, or should they be part of the Australian Ghosts' no, it's, job? It's the, the higher level, CERT, CERT Australia. Right. Um, uh, don't really know what SERT stands for, but CERT is always the uh, the organisation there as part of the ASD. Right, ASD. and so is that like the equivalent of MI five? No, it's part of the NSA, uh, like an NSA okay. uh, type of uh, entity. Um, for Australia. Um, okay, so next article, again, I mean, there's more of them. There's, there's basically these three articles that we've got all around, you know, consumer information. Um, the next one is from the dailytelegraph.com.au, Aussie customers targeted by global blackmailers. Thousands of Aussie farmers' direct customers have had their private information posted online in an extortion attempts by hackers. The food delivery company was the target of international hackers who have demanded a six-figure sum of cash, then posted the information of more than 5,000 customers on October 30th. Names, addresses, phone, uh, phone numbers, and emails of former and existing customers were posted publicly on the external website before being pulled. Uh, a couple of days ago, uh, we were able to get a list of uh, customer details pulled from the website where they've been posted. So, again, I mean, it, 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 the... Dollar itself might not be the, the most critical, but it's you know it's kind of interesting that there's so much of this information that's just being you know pulled. It, 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 I, there's so many of these data breaches that are just happening one after another. You know, the next one was um, Patagonia's website, which is a outdoor clothing company. Um, this one actually had their banking details stolen. So uh, hundreds of customers. This is from abc.net.au. Hundreds of customers of outdoor clothing companies, Patagonia, may have had their bank details stolen after hackers breached its Australian website. So the company believes credit card and debit card details from 600 customers who have bought from the site between August 4th and September 12th may be at risk, and up to 12,500 other customers may have had their personal information compromised, including names, email addresses, account passwords, and other information. So... My biggest gripe with this, though, is is the fact that 
it's not the businesses that are getting hit. I mean, they, they might get eventually hit by the fact that we go, oh, I'm not going to shop there. But it, 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 like right now, in these cases, it's the end user. It's the end user getting burnt. Uh, the TAFE, it's the end, those, the end user there. Um, the, the, the supermarket, those 5,000 customers, they didn't, they didn't want to go into the risk. They were just after their shop a dollar account to get a free $20 coupon every year or something like that. They, all, they, they were just doing it for that. And the last one, the, unfortunately, shopping with this organization has ended in your credentials being also leaked. Kind of frustrates me in a couple of instances whereby, in these, say, the example of the shopping center, uh, that they, with this sort of, hey, sign up here, we'll get your credentials and we'll sort of email you commercial um, emails about some sort of weekly deals we have on. When, when I get asked that, and I don't know if you're the same, Mike, I always sort of question, well, what are you going to do with it? I know 100% you're just going to keep it and just use me as an emailing list of what's going to go out? Mm. Or are you, like, what is the security protocols you have in place? Because as a preference to me, I don't want to be one of those 5,000 users. Let alone some of the people from shopping on the patio on your website with your credit card details now out the market. The crazy thing, like, um, the just differences in the responses. Um, so the interesting one from the um, Aussie Farmers Direct um, this one, that the article states that the AFP said that they were contacted by Aussie Farmers Direct about the breach, but were not investigating, instead advising them to update their virus protection. Good God. I mean, when we talked earlier about like, needing assistance from government, that <laughs> updating our antivirus is not what we were after. Um, that said, I mean, obviously it's talking about the... Um, Information was obviously extracted somehow, whether it was from the website itself um, and then posted on the website itself. There must be some investigation done, surely. I mean, that just doesn't seem... Is the, is the AFP, A, too busy? B, they don't care? Or All the wrong people to be contacted yeah. about this. Um, and should the Australian organisations be provided with the right information as to what they need to do? in the event of a data breach and who to contact and who to, you know, get their advice from, you know, because there are organizations. I mean, if you look at the Patagonia article, their statement is actually a lot better. Um, so they've actually said that in an email to customers more than a month after the breach happened, the company offered the affected customers that we're a year of free identity protection and credit monitoring services. That's a nice way of saying it's actually not bad. That's a nice thing that it's done. Obviously they Provide, you know, they would have said an earlier email saying just so you know that this has happened, but mm. then afterwards, as a, you probably need to um, look after your identity because of the, you know, our fault. That's kind of nice. That's actually a really nice response. What I find interesting, jumping back to the shopping center so I can continue the rant a little bit further, <laughs> um, is basically they, um, they Aussie Farmers Direct basically. Took, got, got the ransom, which is six-figure six sum. Uh-huh. So does that six figures mean million or less? In fact, it's six figures. Anyway, so we're saying a couple, between a couple hundred grand and a million dollars. And so even at a million dollar price, price tag, those 5,000 customers, their names, address, phone number, emails, and also whether they're a current or previous customer, uh, is works out being worth less than $200. So the, this particular website has taken a sort of a cost way up between a the, de- the the destruction of their 
the good faith of their name with their, with their actual customers and the value of these people who had no say in it and said, actually, you know what, we won't actually pay the ransom. Go ahead and release it. Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's, that's interesting. Also, like how this stuff is happening, um, you know, the, the um, David Jones, Kmart, Queensland Tech, and Patagonia are all website hacks. Mm. Every single one of them. I mean, the, the, the only one that is not stated in this, I'm just unable to read this document correctly because I'm too frazzled, um, is the Aussie Farmers Direct one. That's quite interesting. Actually, no, it does say a couple of days ago we were able to get the list of customer information pulled from the website. So they did hack the website, no, although just, where did they get was, the information from originally? It was thrown up on a third-party website, and that's where they basically doxed all, right. these, all these customers. But it sounds like, based on update your antivirus, sounds like it might have been stored on someone's Excel spreadsheet. Certainly a, you know, an interesting one is to find out how this stuff happened. And that's the only way we're ever going to get anywhere. This Australia, The Mandatory Data Breach and Notification Act will allow us to start to... You know, perform some post-mortem analysis on these breaches and you know, not just look to the US, not just look to the UK and say, well, what's happened there? What can we do to protect ourselves? And saying, well, you know, because we, we're seeing that we're unique in our own way. You know, the ransomware attacks have shown this isn't happening elsewhere. We've, you know, we've had you know, these unique type of attacks in you know, unique ways. And we're the highest increased... Um, yeah, we've seen the highest increase in the number of attacks of any nation, 109%. So we know that we are being, yeah, that we're getting this extra special attention at the moment. So we should be able to look at our own organizations, our Australian custom, you know, companies, and say, well, how are you dealing with it? And how, you know, what's, what's happening there you know, within our own walls? And hopefully we can then start to defend ourselves. But it's, yeah, it's certainly an interesting week with all of these data breaches happening. You know, we saw a lot of them last year um, within the US. Um, I really hope this isn't the start of um, it happening in, the, uh, in Australia. I'm a bit more pessimistic, and my advice would be find some uh, companies that specialize in cybersecurity insurance and invest in them. <laughs> Well, I think there is that, right? So, you know, you can either invest in, in the cyber insurance uh, companies themselves and, and make a killing personally. Um, but professionally, you probably want to yes. be looking yeah. at, you know, if you are a business owner or other owner um, of a organization in Australia, looking at uh, how these threats are uh, operating, how data is being extracted, uh, the ramifications of these data breaches on um, different companies. I read an article by, um, it was by Oxford Economics, which is um, you know, an organization that just obviously looks at business, the uh, economy uh, and economics within organizations. And it was the uh, cybercrime cost, uh, cyber costs and effects on UK companies. And the number one effect was um, you know, reputation still uh, because the consumer does not look favorably on people who don't look after their information. Mm-hmm. And that, if that's what's going to happen, I mean, we've already got an unstable economy. People are talking about the potential of all sorts of nasty things in Australia. If we then have the consumer losing faith in Australian businesses, what will that mean? It's, you know, there's potential knock-on effects here. We need to start thinking about that. Yeah, I mean, especially since we're considered a trusted um 
entity in the Asian market as well. Yeah, for policy, absolutely. You know, but there's a big difference between going policy oh, do the, the policy and then the application of that and what we're doing with that. So, yes, very interesting, and um, yeah, we we hope that this is just an, an off week. Uh, <laughs> But anyway, um, that is all we've got time for today. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, obviously, as always, if you have any questions, reach out to us at contact us at securitysowhat.com or tweet us at securitysowhat. Thanks. Bye.